Hey, this is Megan Rapino, and I'm Sue Bird. We've decided to turn our crazy IG live show into a podcast for your listening pleasure. Enjoy the show. A Touch More. New episodes of A Touch More drop Tuesday only on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. It's important to establish a culture of winning, the importance of winning, and doing things the right way. So for us, it's just to keep building upon that. Welcome in, Fins fans. Another week, another episode of Fin It to Win It, brought to you by the Blue Wired Podcast Network and Bet Online. My name is Riley Bradshaw, alongside Mason Englehart. And Mason, we have a fun show tonight. We actually have a fun slate of shows coming up this week. I'm really excited to bring some great content to the fans. But tonight, we're focusing on the wide receivers. So last week, we started a series where we're breaking down position groups per episode. So we started with the quarterbacks. If you haven't, by the way, go back and listen to it. You can find it on any major podcast platform or bluewirepods.com. But tonight we're talking about wide receivers. And before we get into the actual team and the roster and start really breaking it down, I wanted to talk about some fun stuff we did on social media, interacting with the fans. You can follow us at Finit to Win It on Facebook and Twitter. So Mason, I put out a graphic a few days ago leading up to this show, and it was a graphic with eight Miami Dolphins receivers, famous Miami Dolphins receivers on them. And basically, I just said, pick three, who you who you rolling with, who you going with. And the receivers were Chris Chambers, Nat Moore, Paul Warfield, Mark Clayton, Mark Duper, O.J. McDuffie, Aronde Gadsden, and Devontae Parker representing a current Miami Dolphin. So I thought it'd be fun. We got so much engagement on it, a lot of different answers. So it was really cool seeing people's perspectives. But I'm curious, Mason, before we really dig into tonight's show, who's your three? Hey, Riley. Yeah, I mean, that that is a really solid question, and it's a tough one, too. For me, though, it's going to come down to, I'm going to go with the Marx brothers, Clayton Duper. They were my two easier picks. Now, the third one for me is hard because I have about two or three guys in my head. But mm-hmm. I'm going to go with a player who watched live, and it's a player who played above his height. When you see that he's only listed at 5'11", do you kind of know where I'm going with this? Yeah, I think I do. Okay, when you see he's listed at 5'11", you say, no way. He's at least 6'1", 6'2". His acrobatic catches, the way he can stretch the field. He was a pro bowler for the Dolphins. Talking about Chris Chambers. He's going to be my third to round that out. Yeah, I think Mark Clayton, Mark Duper were kind of in the vast majority of people's two out of three. And then it kind of was all over the place. Chris Chambers is a good one. I'll never forget that Thanksgiving Day game at Dallas oh, yeah. where against, he just absolutely oh, yeah. smoked them. <laughs> and it's hard for me when I look at, I'm going to go with the Clayton or the Marks brothers as well. But for me, my third one, I mean, Aronde Gadsden always has a special place in my heart because of the freaking ridiculous catches he'd make week in sure. and week out. But if I'm looking at actual production and I'm trying to win a ball game, I'm probably going to go with the only hall of famer on this list. I'm going to go with Paul Warfield. So I'd go Mark Clayton, Mark Duper, and Paul Warfield. That's what the old school Dolphins fans, most of them were going with. (laughs) No, I mean, you can't fault them for picking those three. I mean, fantastic choices to to choose from. Yeah, you can't go wrong with any of them, really. We did get some Devontae Parkers. Um, 
representing the current Dolphins team after his season last year. But yeah, I think Mark Clayton, Mark Duper, and then Paul Warfield are going to be my guys. And actually, Riley, I'm glad you brought up social media because speaking of social media, have you seen what our boy Devontae Parker got into it with on Instagram? Did you get to check that out today? Wait a second. When did this happen? Was this today? (laughs) Yeah, this was like two hours ago and it was perfect timing. When I saw this online, I was like, okay, we're doing our wide receivers preview coming up. This is the perfect time for this. So it was a post by NFL on Fox, and it was one of those, which is tougher to do? It gave you an A and a B choice. Now, choice A was make a catch while guarded by Stefan Gilmore, all pro yeah. DB for the Patriots. And choice B was break up a pass while guarding Michael Thomas. So listen, Devontae Parker, he doesn't play defense. He plays offense, and he's gone against Stefan Gilmore and actually had some nice success against him to end the year. So Devontae Parker just simply chimes in and he just puts a very simple answer and it says A. Now, a all-pro wide receiver responded back, did not like that. I think he took it the wrong way, though. I'm talking about Mike Thomas, Michael Thomas from the New Orleans Saints, fired back at Devontae Parker and essentially just kind of went, they went back and forth, just kind of dissing each other in, in, a, in different ways. Well, what did, what did Michael Thomas say? Well, Michael Thomas was simply saying, like, you don't know what you're talking about. You, you're, you're not, you've only had one good season. You're not ready to sit at the table with me. And Devontae Parker was just simply saying, like, you know, you got some hard feelings. What's going on? You know, and then <laughs> it was funny Devontae, exactly. But then Devontae Parker fired back. I liked it. I liked how he stepped up. But Devontae Parker was pretty much like, if I got peppered or thrown the ball 300 times a season i'd have the same number as you do so it was really cool to see them go back and forth and real quick riley how do you feel like what is your overall opinion on star players kind of getting into these little arguments because i'm sure when michael thomas and Devontae parker see each other it's just going to be like hey you know whatever there's no bad blood but how do you feel about these guys getting on social media kind of going back and forth i personally like it i like to see our stars kind of not backing down that goes to the alpha male personality Devonte parkers uh, needs to be a leader on this team i like this yeah mason i mean i just finished watching the last dance so i don't know if it's <laughs> just go. got me amped up wanting to run through brick walls but i love some competition some trash talk so i don't mind it one bit i want adversaries i want some tension on the field i don't want everyone to be buddy buddy so i like it i didn't even know that happened that must have happened like be- right before we started recording this you said it was on instagram yeah, I saw it a few hours ago, and I said, this is perfect timing. We're going to talk about Devontae a, l- a lot tonight, especially after the season he had last year. Right. And this is great. I like to see his personality come out. He's not really seen as that alpha male yet for this team. So maybe this could be the year he steps up into that role. I like it. Yeah, I like it too. Stepping up as a leader, going to show that he is the alpha dog on this team this year. So I want to get into the wide receivers. Let's just start breaking these guys down. So... Last week, when we talked about the quarterbacks, Mason, I started off the conversation with a couple words that I jotted down when I first thought about the players in this group and kind of just the overall, my overall feelings towards the group. So I did the same thing with the wide receivers. Figure I might as well make it a theme. Why not? So with the wide receivers, I came up with three words and I want to get your reaction to them. Potential, consistency, durability. Yeah, before the show, you mentioned you were going to have three key words, and I like that. I like that theme that we're doing. We did it for the QB one, like you mentioned. And I told you, I was like, I, I bet I can guess what most of these keywords are going to be. And 
they're, they're pretty much nail on the head. Durability is one that really screams out to me, though, about this depth chart and what we have at wide receiver. It is very deep. It is one of the deepest uh, spots we have on this team. And to be honest, I'm probably more optimistic about our receivers than a lot of other positions on this team. But durability really screams out to me. There's not many guys on our team that have been healthy most of their careers or their entire career. I think one of the only few players on our team, our roster, that has been healthy is a rookie in Perry, and he might not even play wide receiver the entire time. So we're looking at a lot of question marks when it comes to durability. So I think that's a big, important keyword when we're talking about these wide receivers tonight. Yeah, a lot of guys on this roster at the wide receiver position ooze potential. You know, Devontae Parker finally showed it last year, had his breakout year. Preston Williams was well on his way before he got injured, which goes to the durability, but also consistency. I mean, he's an undrafted rookie, and then you got guys like Albert Wilson, Isaiah Ford, Alan Hearns. So I think one of these terms can fit with basically every receiver on this roster. So let's start one by one. Let's start with Devontae Parker. We've mentioned him a couple of times already. He had his breakout year last year. Finally, it's funny, Mason, like going into last season, I think the vast majority of Dolphins fans were just ready to pull the plug on Devontae Parker. They're like, trade him. We botched the pick. He was a first-round draft pick back a few years ago. I think we botched the pick. We just got to move on from him. He can't stay on the field. When he's on the field, he's inconsistent. And, man, did he just explode onto the scene with 72 catches over 1,200 yards nine touchdowns, his PFF grade, pro football focus grade, was 79.2, 21st best receiver in the National Football League last year, according to pro football focus. He elevated his play to elite status. The question is, Mason, with Devontae Parker, can he do it again this year? The optimism coming from Devontae Parker is that he really turned it on towards the end of the season. Now, you could say, hey, it was the end of the season, maybe – Defenses were taking it easy on him. But if you look at who Devontae Parker played against, uh, 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 he really showed up. La- uh, two December games, they played New England and they played Buffalo. We talked about Stephon Gilmore. Devontae Parker went against him. And another one for the Bills, Tredavious White. So two really, really solid DBs. Well, this is what Devontae Parker did against them. He had 14 targets, caught 12 of them for 199 yards. That is domination. He not only had domination at the catch point, but his route running against Gilmore was fantastic. There's a lot of really good video out about their matchup and what Devontae Parker was able to do to him. And it really shows kind of that was a summary of what Devontae Parker has come. He's not just a flash in the pan. He's not just a one route receiver. He can really give you a lot of different routes in the route tree. And you talked about his stats. He had 1,202 yards. Riley, that's actually comes in sixth in Miami Dolphins history, Miami Dolphins history for most yards in a season. And he only missed the fifth spot by, I think, about 12 yards or so. I hate to put you on the spot, Riley, but I am. Can you name me the other Dolphin players above him who who had more yards per season than Devontae Barker last year? So there's, I'll, four, I'll give you, there's four or five guys above. He was fifth, so there's four above him. No, no, no. So Devontae Barker was sixth there's okay. there's technically four guys above him because one player did it two times but do you think you can name who they are i'm gonna guess that most of them were on that graphic that i made maybe fryer um, is one of them no it's okay correct good irving fryer was one who was not on that graphic and was one of them i'm gonna guess the marks yep now there's one more you're missing and i don't know if you can think of it because maybe now that i said that you will get it 
but it's someone you may not think of. But when I tell you, you're going to be like, oh, yeah. And then you're going to get sad because of what he could have. There you go. Exactly. I was kind of giving you hints there. I was, well, gonna I was thinking Marshall and Landry. Those were the two I was thinking sure. of. Sure. Now, Landry holds the re- receptions records right. for Miami easily. But, yeah, so Brandon Marshall was the one in the fifth spot right above Devontae Parker. He only had like 12 more yards than him. So, you know, that could have easily given him the top five. But the point is really I don't think it's a flash in the pan. We saw a lot of solid things from Devontae Parker. But the durability was the most impressive thing. The fact that he could give us an entire season. Because with his first, first few years in, his in the league, there was first time in the career, a lot of issues in his first few years in the league was staying on the field. So the fact that he can be graded out by PFF, a top 25 wide receiver, that really goes to show that he is turning that corner. And I am really excited to see what he can do next year and if he can just elevate his status as easily right now, easily. I don't think there's any argument about this. He is the number one wide receiver for the Miami Dolphins. Oh, absolutely. And I think it's just, I don't know what it was, Mason, but going into last year, I just had this this vibe. He just looked different in his play. The energy that was coming from him, and he attributed it to better conditioning, diet, and you could see it last season. Like he was looked... He looked like he was in better physical shape going into the season. And one of the stats that really jumped out to me, Mason, on throws that were at least 20 yards in the air, he caught 14 of 29 for 478 yards and five touchdowns. This dude was a big play machine, and he made him consistently. And that's what makes him so special, his catch radius, his ability to jump up and make the contested jump ball. And you saw that, you mentioned those last couple weeks, versus the Patriots, versus the Bills. He was able to make those tough catches, those catches that when the game is on the line, you need a guy like Devontae Parker that's going to go up and snatch it. And he finally he finally got that alpha killer mentality last year. And that is the most encouraging thing to me, is just the attitude and the energy that he played with last year. And I like how he's still showing it in the offseason. Social media, he's not backing down, even from arguably right now the best wide receiver in the league in Michael Thomas. And I like how he's staying on the field in a lot of different offensive formations, uh, almost 85% of the offensive snaps. So mm-hmm. he's going to continue to do that. So I'm really, really, really optimistic in Devontae Parker to continue that success. I'm going to play devil's advocate and say, well, you know, he just had a few big games that inflated his stats a little bit. But like you said, he just looked different last year. You go back, you look at the game tapes. He looks good. He looks a lot more comfortable. And I agree, getting in shape is – was his biggest priority because he knew this was going to probably be his last year in a Dolphins uniform if he did not step up to the plate. Yep. Really excited to see that progress from him. Riley, big question here, and I'm curious if we're going to agree on this. Who would you say is the second most important receiver in this Dolphins offense right now? <sighs> big question mark going into this year. Who is that going to be that second Dolphins receiver? I still think it's Preston Williams. I agree. I agree. I know he's coming off the ACL injury. We're about, what, 10 months out when we start the season in his recovery. I mean, it it feels like nowadays everybody's got an ACL (laughs) injury, especially at the skill positions. But, you know, that is a major concern, especially Mason. And I was looking back at his college and even high school career earlier. This is his second ACL tear. He tore his right one going into Tennessee, his senior year of high school towards left ACL last year versus the Jets on that punt return. So it is a little bit concerning, his durability and just his consistency on the field. Like, he was tearing it up. He was the Dolphins' number one receiver heading into that game where he was injured, especially as an undrafted rookie. He was very impressive. 
but the consistency is what concerns me. He had, I think, three drops going into um, going into that game on 59 targets, and he only was averaging 2.2 yards after catch, which was 179th out of 200 re- uh, receivers recorded. But the athleticism, the potential, you can't not get excited about it, despite the ACL tear. So that's why I put Preston Williams um, as my number two guy, especially if he's healthy. I think it's his job to lose. If Miami's wise, they really need to ease him back from that ACL injury. We may not see Preston Williams until maybe October or November in the season. And I don't think that's a bad idea because that's something you don't want to rush back and do. Durability, like we mentioned, is a big question mark for a lot of these players, and they've had issues with it in the past. I like Preston Williams a lot, though, and I like what he can do all over the field. He can sink his hips at the top of the route, like a short shifty uh, shifty slot receiver, but he can also get vertical. He can also use his acceleration. He can play a lot of different roles for this offense. There's a lot of guys who can play slot receiver for Miami, and it's going to be interesting to see who really fills that role the most, especially if Williams is not ready to begin the season, which he probably won't be. But this is a guy who can create separation. He can run a lot of different types of routes. He played about 40% of the snaps. Um, you know, his PFF grade, I think it was somewhere like around 65, 66, 67. That's not bad for an undrafted uh, rookie to play for a team. The fact that he came on so strong for this team in the preseason was really exciting. And there's going to be a lot of high hopes for him next year to see what he can do. Biggest thing, though, I can say, though, is knee injuries take your time with it. They do not need to rush him back, especially when it's your second one, right? Yes. And like you mentioned, this guy, he's just an athletic freak. And he can run every route on the tree. You mentioned he gets good separation out of his breaks. Now he's a raw talent. Um, He needs some work in terms of his route running and his hands. I mentioned the drop stat earlier, but I'm going to put you on the spot here, Mason. Before he went down with an injury, he was right on the cusp of being on pace for 1,000 yards. So that would have made, if he was able to get that, that would have made two Dolphins receivers in the same season with 1,000 yards between him and Devontae Parker. So I went back and looked. I'm not going to ask you the players, but I'm going to ask you to guess the year. What year, going back, was the last time, do you think, that two Dolphins receivers had 1,000-yard seasons? You know, Take your, so take your time, Mason. <laughs> I think I might know this, though. So you said the last time it happened. Yeah, the last time it happened. Okay, the last time it happened, I believe, was Brian Hartline, one of the wide receivers. No, you have to go Ugh. back even further. That was close, though. Okay, because um, I, I was I was thinking a little bit outside the box for that. So if I have to go back a little bit further, whew, it's going to be tough. Um, no, I don't mean in terms of time. I mean in terms of Brian Hartline. I think it was what was it, him and uh, was it Brandon Marshall? I can't remember going back, but one of them had a thousand yards and I think Hartline had like 900 and something. So he almost had it. Uh, but you have to go back quite a ways. It's really an obvious answer if you think about it. Okay. So it's, it's going to be back into like the eighties with the, the, the Marx brothers. It's the Marx brothers, 1991. You have to go back to to 1991. Duper and Clayton both had over a thousand yards. That's the last time we saw Dolphins receivers, two of them, get 1,000 yards in the same year. Mason, with this new offense, if Preston Williams is healthy and is starting the year, 
do you think we could potentially see a breakout season for Preston Williams to go along with Devontae Parker, and we could see finally two 1,000-yard receivers for the Dolphins again? Yeah, I do definitely. And it's if Preston Williams can stay healthy, it's going to take a lot of heat off Devontae Parker. Even though Miami's going to want him to get in the field to get out, get Devontae Parker off the double coverage and some different types of zones, we need him to be healthy because when he's on the field with Devontae Parker, he can do a lot. If Preston Williams can come back healthy and not miss a ton of time, I think it's doable. If he does miss maybe half the season, though, it's going to be a pretty hard uphill climb. But it is exciting because obviously with that stat you just mentioned, it's very few and far times between Miami has multiple 1,000-yard receivers. This is probably their best chance to get it with Williams and to get it with uh, Devontae Parker because the other guys in this depth chart, even though they could have the possibility to do it, they all kind of do similar things. So I don't think one could rise above the others. Yeah, I think these are the only two candidates for 1,000-yard receiving seasons for Miami. And Preston Williams is literally – those three words that I mentioned earlier, right? When you talk about yeah. potential consistency and durability, like literally all three of those follow under Preston Williams. But man, you cannot deny this dude's talent and potential. And if he can get on the field and stay on the field, him and Devontae Parker are going to be a dangerous combination for the Miami Dolphins. All right, so let's move on to the other wide receivers. But first, a quick word from Bet Online. Mason, there's no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, Bet Online. NASCAR is finally back, my man. We have live sports again. And Bet Online has hundreds of games, events, and sports to get you on. Mason, why don't you tell the people more? So, yeah, Riley, while you were watching NASCAR uh, last week, and I was actually watching golf, that's right. Taylor Made had a relief match play i was watching that could bet on that as well so nascar's back golf's kind of coming back right now there's tons of things going on right now on bet online you can still bet on that simulated nfl madden nba ufc events 24 7 or you can participate listen to this riley you can participate in a ten thousand dollar madden bracket challenge it's a march madness style we all really really miss march madness it's an NFL simulation tournament, and you can enter it. How much do you think it costs to enter, Riley? Five bucks. No, free. It is free to enter this tournament. So why wouldn't you do this? If it's free, go for it. I think I like I'm, free. I'm, yes, and who doesn't like free? As soon as we're done taping this episode, I'm going to jump on this. It's absolutely free. And coming up next Sunday, Bet Online has X Chicago Bulls. We we've been talking a lot about this. The Last Dance. Now I haven't watched the last two episodes yet. But the last dance, it's been super popular. Sunday, Ben Online is going to have ex-Chicago Bulls, Ron Harper, Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, and Craig Hodges joining them to discuss the Michael Jordan documentary on what they're calling the final dance. That is fantastic. So visit betonline.ag and use this promo code, BLUEWIRE, that's BLUEWIRE, to receive your new welcome bonus and check out all that action Bet online, your online wagering solution. All right, Mason, let's get into a receiver that up until a few weeks ago, we didn't even know if he was going to make this roster based on his contract situation. And then one of those words, durability, Albert Wilson, he just wasn't himself for most of last year coming off that hip injury that made him miss most 2018. He was owed almost $10 million before this season, but he restructured a new deal which allows him to make up to, I think with incentives and everything included, $3 million. So it looks like Albert Wilson's going to be on the team, at least for this season. 
I don't know if he's a long-term solution, but I do know one thing, Mason. The Dolphins need him because he brings something that no other Dolphins receiver ha- uh, brings, that's elusiveness and agility from the slot position. Yeah, and, you know, he did have 43 receptions last season, which was a career high, but he just didn't look like himself. He didn't have that same burst. With that salary that you just mentioned, I was not optimistic that he would make this final roster, but the fact that they got that fix shows us the Dolphins still believe in him. They still believe he has that burst, and after his hip injury, he can come back and he can give them something this season. I'm excited because we saw his first season in Miami, what he can do, not only catching the football, but running the football as well and throwing the football. He can throw the football a little bit too. You have to watch out for that. So Albert Wilson, he's definitely a guy, if he's explosive, he should capitalize on that slot position, especially if Preston Williams is not healthy at the beginning of the season. I like what Albert Wilson can do, but once again, durability can he stay out there and can he be that explosive guy i'm really really hoping so yeah he was a shell of himself for most of last season but it did look like that he finally turned a corner in those final few weeks so last year weeks one through 14 he only averaged 10 yards per reception only once that was week seven versus buffalo and that's only he only had one catch for 22 yards so um, not really, you know, a great case to be made for him. But weeks 15 through 17, Mason, he averaged over 11 yards per catch in each game, the Giants, Bengals, and Patriots game. So he ended those last three games on a high note, and he rated at 70 or higher in all of those games except New England because he had, I think, three drops in one game, which is very un-Albert Wilson-like. He's known for being a sure-handed receiver. Um, he had five drops last year, but he had three in that one game versus New England. But it seemed like he finally was turning a corner. I mentioned it when we started this. They desperately need him to fill that slot role because he brings he brings that sprinter change of direction balance, those features that no other receiver on this roster can bring. Out of 439 offensive snaps last season, 332 were in the slot, 90 out wide, 15 in the backfield, and I think he even maybe threw a pass or two, Mason like you mentioned. So he is very versatile, but I see him filling that role in the slot and the Miami Dolphins need him to stay healthy and get back to the Albert Wilson of old. It's a big if, but if the Dolphins can get a healthy Preston Williams, Devontae Parker can continue to do what he did at the end of last season and a healthy and an explosive Albert Wilson. This is Miami's maybe besides defensive back, probably their second strongest position on this team. Would you agree or disagree? That's funny, Mason, because I was literally about to say at the beginning of last year, I would have agreed with you, but after all the improvements that they've made throughout the off season, now I look at this, this position group and it's one of the position groups with the most question marks to me potential. Maybe they're one of the top, but for me, there's too many question marks as we go through this list. I mean, every player, you know, we're talking about if this happens, if he can stay on the field, if he can stay consistent, then if these guys reach their potential, you're looking at a dangerous wide receiver core. But that's a lot of things that need to fall into place for that to happen. So the Dolphins are clearly okay with running it back with the squad they had last year. They didn't make any, I mean, they brought in Perry, um, who you mentioned earlier. We don't even know if he's going to really play at wide receiver. Um, I think he's going to be more of a gadget type of player. They brought him in the draft, they signed a couple undrafted free agents, but they didn't really make any major moves um, in the draft or in free agency to bring in a wide receiver. So it looks like they're rolling with what they've got. It is funny though. I don't want to get too far off track, Mason, but 
when I was watching the draft, C.D. Lamb was falling, and I was like, oh, man. If he makes it to 18, do the Dolphins take C.D. Lamb here? I mean, it never happened because the Cowboys took him a pick before. But I'm, I was wondering if, if he had fallen to 18, if the Dolphins were just going to pull the trigger and be like, yeah, this guy's too good to be at 18. I still don't think they would have. I think the Dolphins had such a, a, a focused game plan on their not. They were not going to worry about skill position, whether it's running back, wide receiver, tight end. They were going to build that wall for Tua, like we mentioned last week, or for whatever quarterback starting the season. But that's why I said it's a big if. It is a huge if, and it, they're, like you mentioned, I agree. There's a lot of question marks with this position, but I just feel it is one of those positions on the Dolphins' depth chart that can really, really strive if it can get everything together. Fingers crossed, Trolley. Fingers crossed. There may be a lot of question marks here in terms of durability and consistency, but at least you do have depth. And that brings us to Alan Hearns. So this is the guy that kind of is, I think he's your, he's your plug. He's that guy that goes in. It really is going to depend on the health of Preston Williams and Albert Wilson, in my opinion, of how much we actually see Alan Hearns on the field in 2020. He's a very versatile wide receiver. He doesn't really do a lot of things you know, extremely well, but he does a lot of things well. In 522 offensive snaps, he played a lot last year filling in for Preston Williams after he went down. But he was very evenly distributed. Most of the receivers on our roster, they're either heavily in the slot or they're heavily you know, out wide. Alan Hearns was different. Out of all of his snaps last year, 254 were in the slot, 259 were out wide, almost 50-50. So this is a guy you can kind of plug in everywhere. You may get a little dip in production, but at least there's a guy there, a veteran that you can plug in when need be. And I think that's why the Dolphins signed him to that extension that they did. Yeah, he played about 50% of the snaps, and I agree with you. That's kind of his role. He's going to plug in, and that's why they brought him in as a camp addition last year. They thought he was just going to be a body for numbers, but he actually did earn that extension from the Dolphins in the season for being consistent. Does have some issues with dropping passes, but I like the fact that he can play multiple roles similar to a Preston Williams, and that's what we need on this team. And he's the most experienced wide receiver. This receiving unit has a lot of youth, and it's got it's full of a lot of players who haven't really played a ton of snaps. So I like a lot of things in Alan Hearns. I don't like him as a starting wide receiver, but I do like him as somebody who can fill in for one of our guys who has those durability issues for sure. Yeah, I think, you know, in a perfect world, Mason, we're going into the season with a healthy Devontae Parker, Preston Williams, and Albert Wilson as your three receivers. Gusecki, who we're going to talk about the tight ends later, but Gusecki filling that. You're going to see a lot of 11 personnel this year. So you're going to see Gusecki out in the slot a ton this year. So I think when you see four wide, it's going to be three receivers and a tight end. But yeah, it's nice to have Alan Hearns there as your insurance policy. I mean, since his 2015 breakout season where he had over 1,000 yards, 10 touchdowns, since then he's totaled nine touchdowns total. So he hasn't even gotten to that 10 touchdown mark that he had in 2015. So I think his better days are behind him. But still, it's nice to have that insurance policy there, a reliable veteran that'll come in and at least provide some of the production that you lost you know, if you lose Williams for a few games while he's still rehabbing or if Albert Wilson gets nicked up again. So having that insurance policy is very important. Let's move on to another wild card, Jakeem Grant. Now, I think, I don't know about you, Mason, but I think I know what Jakeem Grant is at this point. You say wild card. I'm going to say more of a question mark, but go ahead. (laughs) Well, I say wild card just because of what he brings 
on special teams. I think sure, he's a got, dynamic special teams player, a select role in the offense. I think he's just too small. I mean, he's only at 5'7". Um, and I, they've tried to put him in different places in the slot, even out wide um, during the Gase era. And it just doesn't seem like he can find a place where he can put up consistent production on the offensive side of the ball. So I'm not really sure where he fits in this offense. And you mentioned this earlier, them drafting Malcolm Perry. I think this puts Jakeem Grant on notice because I can see Malcolm Perry filling a lot of those duties that Jakeem Grant has had up until this year. Yeah, this is going to be Grant's biggest year of his career. He's going to have to show that he can stay on the field, and that's the biggest knock against him. And the size has something to do with it. Really not fitting a positional role has a lot to do with the two. But only being out there a little over 200 snaps, which is about 20%, that's not going to cut it. That's not going to cut you out a role on this team. I think personally he's a better outside-the-numbers receiver. That speed he has and how he can dart across the field or up the field, that sets him apart from some of these other guys on the depth chart. I don't see him as a slot receiver. I just don't think he has the size for it. Uh, You know, special teams, he can definitely be a huge impact. He's had a lot of success when it comes to that. But like you mentioned, drafting Perry, it's going to be an interesting training camp battle when we talk about training camp later in the offseason. I think this is kind of be a battle we look at. Who's Jakeem Grant going to have to go against to stay on this team or to even get on the field uh, this upcoming season? But I like what he can bring, but with his size restrictions and what he's restricted with to do on the field, it's going to be tough to get him on the field unless we have injuries. Yeah, I think Malcolm Perry was one of the main or most intriguing seventh round picks in this year's draft. And I think it's going to be one of those camp battles to watch. You know, where do they put Malcolm Perry? How do they utilize him? Because, you know, he was a quarterback at Navy, but obviously he's not going to be a quarterback for the Miami Dolphins, but he's a pretty small guy. Do you, you know, just like Jakeem Grant, are they going to try him at wide receiver in certain places? Is he going to come out of the backfield? Are they going to try to utilize him in special teams? And if they do that, then there really is, in my opinion, no future for Jakeem Grant on this team if Malcolm Perry comes in and they're happy with him filling that role. So, Jakeem Grant, there's a lot of question marks around him. It's like you mentioned, it's probably the biggest year of his career to prove himself, to stay healthy, and to make, you know, at least make an impact on the special teams side of the ball. All right, let's roll through some of these other receivers. Let's go to my guy, Isaiah Ford, baby. Hey, I like Isaiah Ford. One of my Hokies. (laughs) I like Isaiah Ford, yeah. Riley's a big Hokie fan, and coming out with just being around that area, we knew what Isaiah Ford could do. So when the Dolphins drafted him very late, I was pretty excited. I said, hey, this guy has great um, on-field leadership. He can do a lot. Sure hands. Now, the biggest thing that's hurt him so far in his career is his knee injuries. He can't stay healthy. But I like the way he ended the season for the Dolphins. Uh, 235 yards, a touchdown over the final four games. He can show he can have a niche or have a role in this offense If he can just stay healthy, though, that's the big if for Isaiah Ford. Yeah, it was weird because, you know, going into the draft process, many were talking about him being a day two pick. Sure. Second or third round type of talent. And he fell all the way to the seventh round. He didn't have a good combine or pro day. He's not the fastest guy. So like the measurables, Mason, don't jump off the page at you. He doesn't have like, you know, that elite speed. You know, when he runs a 40, it's that number's not going to jump off the paper at you. But he's one of those guys that just has great body control, can make adjustments in the air. He's really good at coming down with the 50-50 balls. 
and he does have a quick release off the line. So um, that's what made him so effective at Virginia Tech. And that's really what he showed in those last few games where he finally got an opportunity. I mean, this is a guy since being drafted. I mean, he's just been on a merry-go-round. He's been on the practice squad, cut, back to the practice squad, elevated to the active roster, back to the – I mean, he's just been going back and forth between those three. Basically, since he's joined the league, he finally got his opportunity last year. And in weeks 14 through 17, Mason, he had a pro football focus grade of 65 three times and 75 twice. So when he was in, he was efficient. And I think it's important to mention when we talk about these pro football focus grades, these are like overall grades that pro football focus comes out with. They look at, you know, basically all of your statistics and kind of measure them up to an overall grade. So we're talking about, you know, how many times you were targeted, your catch efficiency, how many drops you had, did you have any fumbles? So all of those things kind of go into account to create your overall grade for the game. So yeah, 65, three times and 75 twice, 235 of his 244 receiving yards came in those weeks, 21 of his 23 catches. Those last couple of weeks of the season, he was, he was heavily involved in the offense. So I think he made the most with the time that he was given. We'll see though, if it translates into this year with Preston Williams coming back, Albert Wilson, seemingly finally a hundred percent healthy. So It'll be interesting to see where Isaiah Ford finds his place on this roster and if he can make it onto that fourth and try to fight for some playing time this season if everybody comes back healthy. All right, so let's move on and just quickly mention some of these other receivers on the roster. I think a lot of these guys are either going to be cut or kept on and fill special teams roles for the Miami Dolphins. We're talking about guys like Gary Jennings. He was a fourth-round pick from the Seahawks. He arrived at Miami, hurt himself, Didn't play the rest of the year. Ricardo Lewis was on Miami's roster, cut by Miami. They brought in Kirk Merritt, a rookie out of Arkansas State. He was undrafted. Matt Collins out of North Carolina. These are guys that are really just, in my opinion, camp bodies, not to be disrespectful at all. But I don't see them playing any valuable roles in the actual offense. I think if you're going to see them on the field, it's going to be more in special teams roles if they actually make the team. And Riley, you didn't mention how Gary Jennings hurt himself. He hurt himself celebrating <laughs> a Jakeem Grant kick return for a touchdown against the Bills. So I tried to leave that part out. I know <laughs> you did, but I had to mention it. You, you kind of said it in a, a sly way, and I figured yeah, you. I tried you to just kind of slide it. past it, but yeah. Nah, I, I had to mention it. I, I think when players hurt themselves celebrating, not that I'm saying that's anything like, you know, it could happen to anybody, but when players hurt themselves celebrating, you just have to shake your head. All right, so that's going to wrap up our wide receiver breakdown. To circle it back around to the beginning, potential, consistency, durability. Those are the three key things in my mind when you look at this group. There's a lot of ifs, a lot of question marks that need to be answered, but there is a lot of potential and reasons to be excited when you look at this wide receiver group and what they could accomplish in 2020. And one final thing I'll say about the wide receivers, I am optimistic, I'm excited Devontae Parker last year, we forgot to mention this. We talked about it. Nine touchdowns in his previous seasons in the NFL, he had nine touchdowns combined. Doesn't find the end zone a lot. That's going to be a big key to his success next year. I feel confident he can get back into the end zone, but can he replicate that amount of touchdowns scored? This is one of those positions, though, if they're healthy, we know it's a big if. I am excited looking forward to it. All right, so we have a lot of great content lined up for you guys later this week. 
In our next episode, we're going to chat with pro football focus analyst and senior writer Ben Lindsay. Ben has recently written a lot of articles that feature the Miami Dolphins, particularly in areas in which the team is most improved through free agency and the draft. So we're going to chat with Ben. Then we're going to do another segment where we give our top five breakout candidates for the 2020 season. We actually posted this question on our Facebook and Twitter page at Fin It to Win It. So interact with us there and let us know what your breakout candidates are for the Miami Dolphins in 2020. Please subscribe, rate, and review the show on Apple Podcasts. And you can also find us on any major podcast platform and bluewirepods.com. That's going to do it for this episode of Fin It to Win It. For Mason, I'm Riley. We'll see you for our next episode on Thursday. Until then, have a great week. And as always, everyone, fins up. Hey there, Dolphins fans. Thanks for listening to this episode of Fin It to Win It. I want to take a quick second to recognize one of our sponsors of today's episode, Blue Chew. Guys, are you looking to last longer, go a few extra rounds? Get to BlueChew.com today. BlueChew.com is the first ever chewable that brings your performance in the bedroom to another level. They got the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. And since they're chewable, they work faster. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. Plus, you don't need to go to the doctor's office or spend time waiting in the pharmacy line. Blue Chew's online physician, it's free of cost, and once it's approved, your order ships straight to your door in discreet packaging. Here's a great deal for you guys. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first order free when you use the promo code BLUEWIRE. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's BlueChew.com. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE.